Look at this old Casio keyboard from the 1980s that I found. Watch what happens when I push this demo button. Hello, Daft Punk. Great song. Here's a Grammy. Oh, ho! you know, it's funny. Until you spoke, I did not know we were French. Here's that champagne you ordered, Mr. Simpson. Oh, thanks. Here. Wow, an award statue. Oh, it's a Grammy. Hey, don't throw your garbage down here. <laughs> Fly Podcast with me, Dave Juskow. Second week in March, March 9th, coming at you. Tuesday, March 9th. Hello, everybody. Hope everybody's having a lovely, beautiful March. Things seem to be fixing themselves. Things reopening. A ray of hope inside. Of course, I look at it differently, but, uh, you know, I guess everybody's happy things are opening up. More to come <laughs> on that later, but uh, I guess there is hope in sight for everybody who's been stuck and cooped up and all that nonsense, I guess, if you're living in New York and L.A. It seems like the rest of the country's already opened up, so I don't know what to think about it. But anyway, here we are together again, recording on a beautiful Saturday morning in New York City, coming out Tuesday, March 9th, when my guests tonight on the Comedy Cellar Show will be Cypher Sounds... <laughs> and Rachel Feinstein. That's always some good stuff. And the week after, Tom Shalhoub and J.B. LaBella from Fox News. Well, that is some interesting array of guests. And that's what I do on the Comedy Cellar Nightly Show. Anyway, this is the Nightfly. And boy, do I got a great show for you today. I mean, we're just going to have fun. And we're going to listen to music, and uh, we're going to uh, pretty much talk about the Grammys and, and how much they suck and everything about it, and how much everything else sucks uh, in the sense of uh, just complaining and whining about stuff because it's fun. Uh, you know, like this uh, ridiculous Dr. Seuss thing that they're banning and uh, all this nonsense, and get to that uh, 
Well, why don't we just get to it right now? Hello, everybody, and good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. As they say in the movie, Truman. I was trying to think of it as I was thinking about it. Meanwhile, uh, I did hear about, finally, the first car crash into one of those sheds, the dining sheds on 2nd Avenue, uh, a car finally crashed. I mean, I've been waiting for this. I don't understand. You know, you're going to put dining sheds on the streets of Manhattan. I can't believe this is the first one I heard of. I mean, maybe it's not big news. This is the first one I've heard of. People were injured. Of course they were injured because some idiot car ran into a, a thing because it's on, you know, the people are eating in the streets on 2nd Avenue, you know, in the car lanes. So what's supposed to have, you know, sooner or later. But the fact that this only happened a year later, at least that I heard about, is a miracle anyway, but I was waiting, and when I saw it, I'm like, finally. I mean, I feel bad for the people because I think there were kids involved, which is awful, but, I mean, the, the whole thing is so stupid anyway, and it's so beautiful what's happened in Andrew Cuomo. But I will say this because, really, I do feel he had something to do with not reopening and stuff like that. But anyway, obviously, he's up to something shady. This is the governor of New York we're talking about. And uh, I've been uh, on his case for quite a while, even before any of this happened. You know, I don't care for him very much, but I don't think he should be impeached or resign. I think he finishes out his term, and and that's how we do it. That's the way I like to do it. I didn't want Trump to be impeached, you know, and just, you know, finish out the term, finish out the term. And then, of course, when he wouldn't finish out the term, in a sense, and not leave, then I got very, very distressed. But I think... Uh, Cuomo, although, you know, what he's done is bad and then with the girls and all that stuff, I I, I just think he should still be able to stay in office. I, I don't think anything he did is impeachable uh, or or that he actually needs to resign. I, I'm just I'm sorry. I, you know, he didn't rape anybody yet. Did he proposition some girls? I guess he's single. What are we supposed to do as a guy? I'm like, oh, you know, I mean, I hate this guy. And I but I mean, oh, my God. He, I, I mean, if you're going to ask inappropriate questions and that's true and. He's like, so do you like getting naked? I mean, that's wrong, right? That's really wrong. But it should just be like, dude, don't do that anymore. Stop being creepy. You don't have to leave office, I don't think. And again, ladies, if you want all this to stop, please go after organized religion instead of these uh, politicians who aren't Harvey Weinsteins and Bill Cosby's yet. You know, we're putting a stop to him. He won't be able to run for president or anything else. But, uh, you know, let him finish out his term. Who cares? No one cares. No one cares. How it's going to affect our life if he gets impeached? Who cares? And the best is that Megan McCain, who is John McCain's daughter, who's, you know, I really wanted to marry. She's totally my type. She's a little heavy, really pretty. <laughs> I think she got married before I could get to her. Um, Republican. You know, many girls like that. Anyway, she is calling out Catherine or whatever that stupid Gillenbrand is that I hate, as you know, on being silent during this when she wasn't silent about Al Franken. It is beautiful. I thought I was the only one who noticed. So I'm so glad she was on The View calling her out. And I love it. I love it. I'd love to get her on the show. She is a firecracker. And uh, dad was a great man. <laughs> Even though Trump was like, um, nice going, getting captured during wartime, jerk off. I mean, boy, with the nerve, and we and we let that guy win. Whatever. Let me take a sip. I got such a big show for you today, and it's going to be so awesome. So, uh, you know, there's so much to talk about. We're gonna we're gonna play a lot of music today, which will be fun. You know, I just figured this is this is the show that 
you know, if this was ever to be successful, this podcast, we'd never be able to air it again because there's going to be so much music and be copyrighted issues and, you know, we'll just be taken off the air. But I, I don't care. And it's beautiful that nobody knows about it except us because uh, then I can play all this stuff and nobody gives me shit. And quite frankly, if they did and they sued me and I owed all this money at this point, who cares? I owe everybody money now. No one cares. So, the, you know, uh, I think, okay, so uh, where do I begin? Uh, you know, with the... You know, a lot of my friends are getting the vaccine because they're claiming obesity, which, of course, is ridiculous. My friend Lee and my friend Chris, they're getting the vaccine because they say their body mass index is high. Of course, that is ridiculous, right? I mean, these aren't actual obese guys. They just, they're like me. You know, they're a little chubby because we're over 50 and, you know, you put on the extra weight. How funny is it that now my body mass index is down? Uh, by losing 20 pounds, I kind of dicked myself over out of a vaccine shot, which is the funniest thing that there is. And my friend Joe got one the other day. And I was like, well, do you really? Need-? But he does need one because he had uh, a pre-existing condition. But let's just say he didn't, right? And then they're like, sir, I, you know, I don't think you're old enough to get one. And then he pulled off his jacket and they saw how fat he was. Like, I'm sorry. I'm so, whoa, whoa, whoa. My apologies, sir. Please sit right down. I'll give you two. But uh, that's what I was. It's so funny. Now I just want to eat. A lot so I can get the shot. I do want to get it now because if everything's opening up, I think I will. I'd like, you know, I don't want to get the shot ever. I don't like getting the flu shot. So I am afraid of the vaccine. But, you know, I'm just, you know, let's just do it because I'm feeling uncomfortable about certain things. I went, well, see, this is the thing. Do I go into this now or do I tell you the other stuff first? Yeah. You know what? Let me hold off on the uh, virus thing. I'll just tell you a couple of other things. Oh, most importantly, okay, let's just get to it. The, oh, I don't know where to begin. I'm all over the place because, all right, first of all, <laughs> what is first of all? For, okay, let's go. Pretty in pink. All right, I spent, I know I put it on as a joke, but I couldn't wait. I spent the 1999 to get this new Blu-ray, Pretty in Pink, with the quote, making the air quote signs, alternate ending, what an unbelievable disappointment. So much so that I really want to write back the company, get my money back, and send them their video and say, go fuck yourselves. You guys suck, and you didn't deliver what was promised on this new Blu-ray version because who, first of all, needs a Blu-ray version of Pretty in Pink? So you're obviously scamming us. You know, Nobody needs, a, nobody needs any of the 80s movies on Blu-ray. We just, we just don't. Maybe Back to the Future. But really, you just don't need anything on Blu-ray. Nobody uses discs anymore. Who cares? But I bought it because all I wanted to see was the alternate ending, and they do not have it. It is a 2006 interview session. 2006. You know, that's, that's a long time ago. <laughs> that's a long time ago. That's, over, that's almost 15 years ago. Uh, of interviewing Molly Ringwald, Andrew McCarthy, the director, and John Cryer. So it is old news, anything you could probably see on YouTube, and they do have uh, you know, some uh, a tiny bit of footage of Ducky and Samantha dancing together with the ending, I guess, you know, but it's not the complete. They shot the ending, so why can't we see it? You're putting this. That's what I thought we were going to see. They shot the ending. Remember that I told you last week they reshoot it. They they bought it back and reshot it 
So why can't we see the original ending? Why can't we get the Superman 2 director's cut? I don't understand how you could scam people like this. So I'm pretty upset about it. And all they have is Ducky and and uh, uh, Samantha. Samantha is it? No, I'm getting there. No, that's 16 candles. I'm getting it mixed up. Andy uh, going into d- dancing, you know, Andrew McCarthy leaves. And they go into the floor and everybody spreads out and they dance this lone dance together. And it's stupid. I thought they kiss and it's go. But the funny thing is when they were talking about it and, and, and Molly Ringwald, the, the worst actress of all time, uh, was saying, this doesn't work. I told Howard Deutsch, this is not working. I, I have no chemistry with Ducky. Now, Robert Downey Jr. was supposed to have this role. I could see I've got a huge crush on him. She's talking as a person. She's like, I have a huge crush on Robert Downey. She just kept talking about it, talking about it. She's like, uh, this is kind of embarrassing, actually. I'm just saying I just really have a crush on him. And I think a lot of the girls do. And I don't have that same way with John Cryer. Nobody does. This is what she's saying. She's basically the whole documentary, or whatever it is, it's 10 minutes, is made to make John Cryer and guys that look like him, like myself, look ridiculous and like assholes and the nerve of somebody who looks like molly ringwald calling all us out what an asshole you suck even more i stopped watching riverdale because she's on it and she really is an awful awful actress and i don't care that she was in all these 80 movies i never want to see her again anyway she calls it out and it's just kind of funny because no 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 offense to john cryer but it's like really mean but that is the thing. If Robert Downey Jr. and you think about it, if Robert Downey Jr. was there, you could see her with him. But yes, it doesn't work. There's no chemistry. The audience clearly noticed it. She noticed it. She told the director. She's like, "This, this is the ending you want to go with," and then they uh, fixed it up and whatever. But do not get the DVD. I'm sure since it was from 2006, you can find it online. I thought we were going to get the full on ending. The only thing that was good about this is that when they're talking. Uh, my favorite thing, which I believe you can see in, is it How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days? Or with the one with the guy that's dead who played the Joker, whatever movie, teen movie that is, and with Julia Stiles, I think they have an ending where they have the outtakes. And you, when you see everybody dancing without music, it always makes me giggle. It's the best. Remember, when you're in a scene and you're doing, you know, they're not playing the music back, everybody has to pretend there's music going on. So that's what you do get to see in this Pretty in Pink DVD. Uh, but, but it's not worth even spending uh, the pinnalance of 1999 on it because it's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. Now, I have there's another thing in it that I haven't seen where I guess the director's talking. I don't know whether it's a, you know, a, a, a commentary or something, but you know, I'll check it out because I spent the money. I, I mean, I had to update my Xbox for it. I had to update my Blu-ray player. I mean, I had to update all this stuff before. I, I couldn't wait. I, I got the thing and I put it immediately in the machine. I mean, obviously I was dying. I've never purchased uh, a DVD online besides The City on the Edge of Forever, which is the best Star Trek episode ever made because they didn't have streaming back then when I got it. You know, like, who's buying DVDs anymore? So... In fact, the people that manufacture it must have like, really? Somebody wants the DVD? Did they say how old he was? So, uh, boy, I feel completely duped, and it was bad news, and do not waste your time. Just do not waste your time. Oh, so uh, disheartening. I really thought we were going to get to see, you know, like um, in Superman 2, brand new footage and a brand new movie. Uh, you know, with Lois figuring out that he is Clark. I mean, all this stuff that we've heard about, and then you actually saw it, and it was acted and filmed, and 
music was put in. I mean, just I mean, it 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 exists. Why can't I see it? Why can't we see the Eric Stoltz footage of Back to the Future at this point? Why can't we see it? All right, that one. All right, we can. All right, that one. You can get. You know, if you're Robert Zemeckis, like, no, I don't want to. I don't want to show that. But meanwhile, eh, thirty years later. Or whatever it is, it's over thirty years at this point. You, you can't just uh, who can't? You need to make a little extra money. I know you don't need any money, but uh, what about your kids? You know, let them uh, pay all the ben- all the profits that they get. Or go or give it to a charity. Give it to uh, you know people who are working for the Red Cross. You know, here this this I'm putting this Eric Stoltz thing out. I don't you know it's not fair to anybody. I don't like it. It's bad for Eric Stoltz, or maybe it's not. Uh, because it's basically saying how much you suck or whatever. Also, well, that'll never happen. There's Michael Keaton footage in the Purple Rose of Cairo. Woody Allen. I mean, this is the kind of stuff we all want to see. It's all been enough time. I don't know. I guess we're going to have to wait for somebody to die to see it. And I just hope I live long enough. And this was one of those things. God damn it. All right, let's move on. Enough of that. Two weeks of Pretty in Pink. Not, meanwhile, who am I kidding? I'm talking three three weeks of family affair now. That's what I'm talking about. I can't even believe it. Family affair. I'm still completely obsessed. Stupid family affair. I can't. I, you know, it's, I'm telling you, it's like the Good Witch thing. It's one of those things where it is just basically, um, you know, just a relaxation tape. And when I get home, I'm like, and I just, just need something to watch really quick that doesn't doesn't bother me. Meanwhile, you know, it is getting on my nerves and making me sad at some point. It's a very sad show. But so last week I was watching one and this this window washer comes down and it's so creepy now, you know. And these guys, this has happened to me a hundred times. I'm sitting there watching TV. The window washers come down, but we don't talk to them. I don't know. Them. But in this show, the window washer comes down and they, uh, he, no, I'm sorry, they don't wave. They don't notice him. He opens the kid's room, bedroom window he's washing it he stops opens it by himself and then says hi kids (laughs) and then they're like oh hi mr such and such and then he helps them with their homework oh my god it's it would be completely creepy if it wasn't the guy that voices this oh yes time for my stoutness exercise up down, up, no, no, just resting and thinking and um, humming to myself. <laughs> Say, Rabbit, how would it be if as soon as we're out of sight of this old pit, we just try to find it again? We can- I mean, uh, you know, so when you hear that guy's voice, I'm like, wait a minute. I know that voice. I mean, that guy's been in like countless Disney. He was like the John Benjamin of his time, I think, because he only had one voice and everybody wanted it. He was the John Benjamin of his day. What's his name? Sterling Holloway. And he comes to the window and he goes, hi, kids, in the Winnie the Pooh voice. And then he helps them with their homework. And the premise is that he's been helping them with this new math they're having trouble with. And he's just giving them completely wrong answers because he's a goddamn window washer and he's not. See, he would be a much in this day and age, it would have been a much better version if he was like black or or a, some sort of minority group, and he was a math genius, but he could only get a window washing gig because he was. Uh, there's a lot of prejudice in the world. Now that's a much better premise. But this guy's an idiot, and he's a window washer, and he's giving them all the wrong answers until uh, Brian until Brian Keith finds out that this man has been coming through the children's window. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was unbelievable. It's sitting it, it, you're you're getting so uncomfortable, and you have to keep telling yourself this is family fair. It's the sixties. It is nothing of what anyone who's watching right now would be thinking is going to happen. He's not going to molest them. This isn't a different strokes episode with Gordon Jump. It's it's all going to end fine. Relax, because that's how messed up it is in your head because that's of course that's what how are we not thinking that i mean that's every tv show since the uh the 80s that with the special episodes that we've ever known so it's just so funny he just keeps stopping and opening the windows himself. like they he doesn't knock on it and the kids don't open it he opens it he never comes inside but he sits on the on the thing on this you know in the in the, in the high rise and he just takes the notebooks he goes okay so six plus six, is, it's the new math. Uh, it was uh, very uh, horrible and enjoyable at the same time. Meanwhile, there was another episode with this legendary actress named Myrna Loy, who was absolutely horrible, and it was like making me uncomfortable. She was playing a, uh, you know, a housemate like, uh, like you know, the butler, Sebastian Cabot, the Mister French. And she was horrible at her job, and he was trying to help her, but she was being such a bitch about it. It was just making me angry, if you think about those kind of things in television, as I do. So that one didn't make me burn a lawyer. I, I look up all these actors. I'm like, where are they now? I, you know, It's just so funny. Are they dead? Do they do stuff after? Is that who that was? I, I'm completely, you know me, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated. Meanwhile, I am totally enjoying that You know, afterwards. I just, I'm like, you know what? I'll watch a family affair. I, you know, it's, it's making me relax. You would think, even though after I'm talking about this, you're like, is it really making you relax? I guess that's my kind of relaxation, that it gives me something to uh, think about, other than the coronavirus, which, of course, is the most important thing. Now, the main thing today, which I'm, I've been waiting, and it came out yesterday, is coming to, coming to America. So coming to America, too, we're talking about it. it, came out yesterday on Amazon Prime. I cannot wait. I was maybe hoping to watch it with some other people, but I mean, who am I kidding with? That's just, I just, I cannot wait. I must see it. And I think after I record this and me and Elon do our Billy Joel thing, I think I'm going to sit down and watch it. Maybe even if it's in, because I, you know, I want to save it up. I might watch it in half hour increments. That's what I did with Tom and Jerry. Remember I told you I was going to watch that stupid Tom and Jerry because it's out, right? So I'm watching. I'm like, oh, I'll watch a half hour at a time. And I really like that Chloe Morris. Grace, whatever her name is. I liked her when she was a little kid. I knew she was going to grow up hot. I know. It sounds horrible, but she did. And, uh, you know, so it's um, really bad. But uh, the beginning was awful. And you just get mad at Jerry because Jerry's an asshole. It's not Tom's fault. It's Jerry. He's an asshole. He's an instigator. He's a troublemaker. I never remember that from the cartoon series. But anyway, I like it because the cartoon characters aren't called cartoon characters. They're just regular people and there's a bunch of cartoon pets and animals that are just treated like regular stuff and i like that so um it i cannot recommend it but it was an enjoyable movie to watch after i did this and then into the next day on sunday i'm like oh let me finish it colin jost is in it who i really can't stand and whatever and um there's also the fact that this uh if you if you do watch it that the, the lead girl chloe you know, she's got three names. I don't know. Uh, and this, the girl, this Indian girl is marrying Colin Jost. It really does look at one point that they are going to kiss. And that uh, will let anybody my age uh, continue watching. 
Uh, I know that sounds creepy and ridiculous, but when you see it, you'll be like, you know what? He was right. Trust me on this. I'm not crazy. I wouldn't even mention it if I thought because I know how creepy it sounds. But it, it's – I mean they're all age appropriate, so it's okay. But I'm just saying it's uh, – it really does – I thought that's the way that – I'm like, I have to – no, this is Tom and Jerry. This is not going to happen because this Chloe, she does do these kind of scenes in movies. So <laughs> there was no reason to believe it wasn't going to happen. I mean when she was 12 in that movie, what was it? Let Me In, I think. She got naked and she was like 12. So this, this is the kind of movie that making a Tom and Jerry was very – very odd for somebody like this i'm like well what kind of movie is this and why is it rated pg why was it rated pg so anyway you if you do watch it you'll see what i mean and again it did you know if you're watching these increments it's not bad the, the first half is bad or the first third was bad then it kind of picked up a little bit in a way and then uh, you know the ending was stupid but uh i did not hate it and again it's super fun to watch a movie that just came out that Dave Juskow can watch a movie that just came out and be on, uh, be on, be hip with, uh, hey, have you seen the new movie? Uh, it's very exciting. So I'm very excited about coming to America today. I mean, I just, uh, Arsenio was on Howard talking about it and stuff, and I am thrilled and cannot wait. And again, that guy, Johnny Oleski from the New York Post, did not like it, but he's not of the appropriate age. Um, maybe it has something to do with him being gay. Who knows? I have gotten words from other friends who love the first one, who are around my age or into that kind of comedy, and they seem to really like it. So I'm just going to say it's going to be great, and I'm looking forward to it. On the flip side of that, you know how I always usually, when things are normal, you get – I'm a member of SAG, Screen Actors Guild, and I always get the movies in advance. I just – while I was downstairs getting my coffee this morning before doing the podcast, I just got – here, I'm going to – I got three DVDs in the mail today of, you know, the movies. This is the, my favorite time of the year. You know, I get the movies. I get to see them. This is awful. Defive Bloods, not interested. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and The Trial of the Chicago 7. Man, this is a shitty year for the Oscars. It's so shitty. And the stupid Golden Globes that were the other night. It's so shitty, This the selection of movies and the categories and everything that came out. Really, The Invisible Man should win Best Picture. That's the best movie I've seen all year. That everybody should have to give their awards back. It's a shitty year. They should never have the Oscars or Golden Globes or any of this stuff. It should just be canceled. All these movies are bad. I'm not interested in any of them. I don't think you are either. I probably, you probably never even heard of any of these. And they're, they're just, you know, who cares? I was looking on the site because I voted. And I'm telling you again, folks, there's no way everybody's seen these movies and people just vote. And that's how things happen. People just vote for the names. And that's exactly what I did. I'm going to level with you because, the, first of all, the movies weren't available. I mean, maybe they're available on Netflix, but they're all awful. Not interested in watching them. I don't want to see shit like this when I'm locked up in a house. I'm, unfortunately, it's just a bad year. And until they bring out the James Bond movie, I'm just not interested in anything. And... So yeah, I was looking at the movies that I could possibly watch before I voted, and I'm like, I'm not interested in seeing any of these. I mean, even in years where it's bad and, you know, I mean, last year we were like, Parasite was, I can't wait to see this. You know, you get word of mouth. I haven't heard anybody talk about any of these three movies. Maybe that Chicago one, but, you know, just I just don't give a shit. The only reason I would ever want to see that movie is that Sasha Baron Cohen is in it, and he is the fucking shit. It's just really uh, bad. And also, uh, 
you know, the Golden Globes was something I couldn't, couldn't care less to not watch it. It was my pleasure to not watch it. And it got horrible ratings because these people are so stupid. We got to do the award ceremony. This happened after September 11th, too. I mean, my God, you and your goddamn award ceremonies. It's awful. And so the the one thing I found out, which was funny, is that Gillian Anderson had won. I'm like, well, what'd she win for? And I found out she won as the crown. And I'm like, who is she in the crown? I'm, I am watching the crown. I'm on episode nine of the fourth season of the crown. Remember, I was very excited because it was the Princess Diana years and, and Margaret Thatcher. And I thought that'd be interesting. Apparently, <laughs> this is how good this Gillian Anderson is that she needs to be celebrated. She is Margaret Thatcher. I didn't even know. I didn't know. I didn't know who was playing her. I never checked. I was just like, wow, what a what an unbelievable performance. I'm just watching her. I'm not even thinking about it. I was like, I wonder who that is. I didn't care. I was just like, I, I don't. And you know, I look everything up. For some reason, that I wasn't looking that up. It was such an interesting performance. It was Gillian Anderson from the goddamn X Files. And oh my god, if anybody, this is the kind of shit we're talking about. When you see a performance like this, let's say you don't even like her performance, but the acting choice and 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 the performance it just makes you say, "Wow, what an actress!" And and that's the kind of shit I'm talking about when you win an, a, a Golden Globe like that or something like that. Oh man, it's just it's all worthwhile. But if you're going to nominate Kelly Kuko in the same category, who I love as this unbelievably talented actress who keeps her mouth shut and just does the X-Files. You don't hear anything about her. And then all of a sudden shows up in this unbelievable, perfect British accent or whatever she's doing performance. Wow. You know, it's such a game. That's what all you want to see is the, the Anthony Hopkins, the really good person, not just the celebrity or the person that somebody likes and then you see this crap that jennifer anderson's in the same goddamn category you gotta be kidding me i mean i don't know if you guys are watching but this this is a hell of a performance by this woman the the girl from the x-files i mean go figure i had no idea it was her it's perfect she's she's brilliant in it i mean they're all really good on the crown really that girl i think who played princess diana is getting she got one too she's terrific i mean really they're, they're obviously good. You know, they're, they're British, and this is what they do. And I guess I'm okay with it because they're all, I think they're British. Jillian Anderson's a, a mix, so we'll let it go. But you know how angry I get when the British people are playing the Americans? Only because if we're going to do this cancel culture and all this shit, then we got to call out the British people playing Americans when there's clearly American actors. I'm sitting right here. Who would love to have a part in a movie, but I'm getting passed up by somebody who's using a fake accent? I'm just saying. I never had a problem with it before, but if you're going to start calling people out and you're not going to let this guy voice um, a a beloved character on Family Guy who's playing a black guy, go fuck yourself. Then you're goddamn two-faced. Thank you. That all being said, with the cancel culture, you probably heard there are they're these Dr. Seuss books that they're canceling out now. Six Dr. Seuss books. Uh, something out of Mulberry Street, all this stuff, because I, I don't even know what the reasoning is. I mean, obviously, there's some slang words and stuff. If you saw my show last week with Jim Norton and Jim Florentine, I was pointing out some of the stuff that this, you know, Dr. Seuss used to do political cartoons during the war, and he made Japanese people look like assholes, you know, because... I don't know why. Oh, we're because we were at war with them. 
So if he's saying he's making Japanese people look like dicks and he wrote these books maybe in the 40s because maybe his dad or somebody he knew died in the war by a Japanese guy that we were fighting at the time, everybody really go fuck yourselves again. People seem to forget they bombed our country. They did it before it was cool. Before September 11th, the Japanese, who are now our close friends, we love the Japanese. I love Japanese. I love sushi. I love Japanese people. I got no problems with them. But Jesus Christ, my grandfather was in World War II. Do you think he'd be, a, I mean, he was a kind man, so it was okay. But do you think somebody like that would be upset that you're like, wait, are you telling me now you're friends with the Japanese? What the hell am I fighting for? That's what I'm saying. It's like, you know, what? Ha- I mean, obviously we're not friends with the North Koreans. We're not friends with the North Vietnamese. But, well, I don't know. Are we now at this point? I don't know. But, I'm saying, you know, what's the point of war if we're going to be friendly with everybody in 20 years? Weren't we at war with Italy, too? Why? Well, I don't know. Weren't they not an ally in World War II or was that World War I? Something. It, it, it keeps going back and forth, so you don't know who to be angry at. And that's why I'm so angry at Disney with the Pearl Harbor. They're like, well, we don't want to show the Japanese people in a bad light. What? The Japanese people were our enemies. They bombed our country. We were at war with them. They killed a lot of our grandparents or great-grandparents, whatever it is. My God. Catch your priorities straight, you dumb fucks. Whew. Very angry again. This is supposed to be a fun podcast. What are we doing? All right. Well, let's get down to the fun then. Unfortunately, I mean, it, it, it starts off in a bad way, but uh, this guy just died today. I heard about it. Uh, you remember this wonderful guy, uh, Tony Hendren, I think his name is, from Spinal Tap. problems with the arrangements backstage. What exactly? Well, uh, what, I some, mean? well, no, there's some problems here. Uh, I don't even know where to start. All right, this... Sound uh, check? What's, what, no, what, no, what's no, 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 this, this... Look, 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 there's a little problem with the... Uh, look, this, this miniature bread, it's like... I've been working with this now for about half an hour. I can't figure out. Let's say I want a mm-hmm. bite, right? You got this? You'd like bigger bread? Exactly. I don't yeah. understand how. You could it's like fold a... this then. I mean, you could well, fold no, it. then it's half the size. No, not the bread. You could fold the meat. Yeah, yeah but then, it, then it breaks bread. up. It breaks no, no, apart no, 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 no. like you this. Put it on the bread like this, see? But then, if then you keep it's... folding it, it keeps breaking. Well, why would you keep folding and then it? everything has to be folded. And then it's this, and I don't want this. I want large bread so that I can put this right so then it's like this yeah. but this doesn't work because then it's all because it hangs out like that. <laughs> look yeah would you be holding no this? I wouldn't want to eat I wouldn't want to no. put it in my mouth all right a exhibit no, right. exhibit a and right. then we move right. on to this look look who's in here no one and then in here there's a little guy look yeah so it's, it's a complete catastrophe no you're right Nigel Nigel but <laughs> I mean, calm I don't, down calm down look it's, no, it's not a big deal I'm look, sorry, it's a joke you know, it's really it's, it's, it's a, just it's just some crack at university you know <laughs> yeah, I mean right, I it's really it's all I don't a, want it to affect your performance it's not right. going to affect my right. performance don't That's worry about it all right okay. just hate it really yeah. it does so disturb me but I rise above it I'm a professional right that's my favorite line where he says I don't want it to affect your performance yeah, the guy who played the manager, who was terrific in that movie, uh, he just died. I think he was 79. But uh, just a little tiny tribute for uh, being, uh, no big deal, just being in the greatest movie of all time. No big deal. Don't don't worry about it. It's, uh, it's cool. It's cool. I tell you, I'm, I'm definitely losing my mind. So, okay. So Wednesday, I have plans to go out with this lovely girl. 
you know, she's like, when are we going out? When are we going to, oh my God, it's the same thing as the receptionist. When are you going to take me out? Uh, but no, this time we've already <clears throat> fooled around and there's no way she can get me uh, fired from anything, I don't think. Who knows? Anyway, we were supposed to go out for drinks and dinner on Wednesday. Wednesday, you know, Wednesdays. I love going out on Wednesdays. I make plans on Wednesdays. This Wednesday, I'm going out. I'm going out. I'm going to Wolfgang's. <laughs> Very excited about it. Wednesdays, I always go to the, the, the bar and then sometimes I go to dinner. Maybe I'll stop by the comedy cellar, whatever it is, right? So I make plans with this girl at 6 o'clock. Now, okay, so through Memo, I had also found out that they're opening these. They're, you could apply for $20 to close off a street here in New York City, Queens, Brooklyn, wherever you are, Manhattan, and uh, do a show. So I called up Noam, the owner of the cellar, and Liz, and I said, do, do you want to do this? He goes, yeah, let's do it. Uh, what do you got to do? And I'm like, I think you got to do this. So I think on Monday, March 1st, you sign up. And you try and get the streets all, and it was going to get like four or five, six dates so we could do shows outside. And I told Liz, and you do this, and she goes, well, do you think that'll be cost effective? I said, I don't, I don't know. I'll figure it out. I'll figure out all the details with chairs and a riser and speakers and all that kind of stuff. I'll figure it all out, but let's just sign up for them because they might go really quickly because it only costs $20. So let's invest the $20. I'll, I'll Venmo you. Well... You know, she slacked on Monday, and then Tuesday she said, I'm going to do it today. I'm like, that's fine. That's fine. Cool. Everybody's into it. And then on Wednesday, they announce that comedy clubs can reopen to 35%. And then she's like, yeah, the clubs are opening. Let's just forget it. So this is the news I get around 3 o'clock on Wednesday. And now I'm getting – I see that the governor – meanwhile, because the governor's in trouble – is what I believe led to the opening of these small venues. I, I really believe there is a correlation between the two. Uh, to, so people are like, oh, maybe I better open them up now. I, I can't cripple New York anymore. I'm in trouble. That's what I think. But that's a conspiracy stuff, I guess. Uh, so when I was reading about it, I, I, got, I got very upset. As you know, the reopening is, is making me very uptight. I have been enjoying my little life. I see people on Wednesdays. I see my mother on Thursday, and that's where it ends. And then I just have this strange, very strange, but not unenjoyable lifestyle. I told you on Mondays I wake up, and sometimes I cook. You know, I did the meal prep this week. I do the cooking for the week. And then I go uh, check out the stocks, or I do some writing, and I plan the show on Tuesday. And then on Tuesday I have the show, so I definitely see people. I mean, I'm talking to them through zoom but at least you know it's something to do and i feel like i'm doing something creative and then on wednesday i go out and then thursday i go out and i see my mom so then on friday i get excited for fridays because i'm like oh i don't have anything to do friday's another day i can just put everything together and relax a little bit but i don't have to go out and then saturdays I've, i've been enjoying getting up recording the podcast doing my little billy joel thing with elon and 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 making dinner like or or you know making a, like a small meal and then uh, you know ordering it on Sundays and that's that's that, that's my big that's my week, and I cannot deny I have been enjoying this little bubble and now that it is opening up, now it'll feel like you're not doing anything because your friends are all out doing stuff. So you have the fear of missing out again, so it's starting to make me panic, which is a little ridiculous, but I know you can also understand it. So that was number one, and I was getting very uptight about it, and then because here's the other thing too. I really feel after I've been doing all this work for the comedy seller for no money, but it, my pleasure, I love it. And I love being a part and a member of the comedy seller. I've already tell you, but I get this feeling, which is probably just unwarranted, 
but I get this feeling like once they open, I'm going to be shut out somehow. I don't know why, but that's the feeling I'm getting, and that's what I got on Wednesday. So I start to tense up. Then the girl who I was going to meet at 6 o'clock, she calls me at 4.30, and she says, can we make it 7? Now that, as you know, drives me insane. And I wish it wouldn't, and I know I need therapy. Because this, no other way to put it, but not getting my way, or, you know, just uh, things not going according to plan, and then breaking down and becoming suicidal is, is insane. I know I've always been this way, but it just seems like it's getting worse. But I have this plan, and when things stray from the plan, I get that upset. And this girl calls me. I'm like, fine. fine. I'm going to be there at 6. I'm on my way out already. Thanks a lot, jerk off. I'm so angry. I'm riding down on the motor scooter. I'm getting upset because there's too many people out. I'm like, I got to move out of this town. People are coming back. There's traffic. I like it better when there was nobody here. I don't think this town is working for me anymore. But can you blame me? I've been in seclusion like all of us all this time, right? So living in New York City is a big, you know, just like uh, shock to the system when when things just get bustling again. You know, you got to kind of ease into it. And so I go down and then around, I'm sitting at the bar by myself, which, I, you know, I don't particularly like. I always invite people down. I'm hoping they're going to get there in time, but I don't mind if they get there. And then we were going to go to the restaurant at 7 o'clock. And at 6.30, I get a call from her. Now, anybody, and this girl's maybe 30, 31, anybody under 40 who calls and doesn't text, you know, there's a, there's a, I'm like, oh, what is this going to be? And she's like, wait, where is it again? I'm like, I told you exactly. Just check your texts. What do you mean? It's not on any map. And I'm like, any map? What, the, what is that? She's coming from Astoria. What A map? So, I'm I'm just like, hey, let, let's cancel. Let's do it another time. I just I'm getting annoyed. I'm pulling old man shit. I just I can't handle it. It's it's, it's I'm like I, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't know what you're talking about. A map. I, I what are you? You're not driving. What are you using? A folding map like the old like I have in my car. What the hell are you talking about? I told you the streets. It's not. You don't know how New York City works. She completely knows. She's not from out of town. Well, I mean, she's lived her ten years. We, and and she's been there before. So I was like, just please forget it. Please forget it. And, and I, I was another time. She's like, no, we have, but you have to make a plan with me now. And I'm like, I, got, I can't even talk to you right now. I don't know. And like, you know, why be so mad about something like that? I don't know. She's like, you know, I really think we could have had a really nice evening. And I'm like, yeah, probably. I don't, you know, it's, I, I, I know I ruined what could have been a really fun time. And I just can't. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, it's just, it's, I, I got a problem. And then I went to the cellar and I stopped in for a second. I didn't want to, I will not sit at the comics table. It's full of COVID, which is why I think I'm ready to get the shot. I didn't recognize anybody. So I was getting upset about that. Liz saw me for two seconds, said hello. She was busy. And then I just walked out. There was nothing happened. I didn't want to sit through that. I hate that stupid show upstairs. When things go back to normal, it'll be better. I can't stand it. I want to support it, but I didn't, I didn't know anybody. It was like sad. It's it's sad in there, but it was crowded at least, so they're making some money, so that made me a little happy. And then I just went home, and I depression ate. You know, I ordered baked ziti with meatballs, because I was planning on getting spaghetti with meatballs, so I was like, I, I can't have, but I wasn't positive that the place I was ordering from had good spaghetti, so I had to get baked ziti, which I know was good, and they just put meatballs in it. Quite frankly, it was delicious, but I ate the whole goddamn thing, and I ate it quickly, and it was not cool. I was stuffed, and you know, I'm trying to diet. That's not, but you have those days. What are you going to do? The funny thing is, 
The next day, I went to see my mom, and I was very angry already. You know, it's just uh, something was wrong with the computer again or whatever. I just, ugh. And I was already angry from the day before, getting very nervous, all this stuff, and the blah, blah, blah. And then my everything changed. Um, I, met to, I went to meet that lady at the, at the mall where we're planning on doing the shows, and I had a couple of drinks. I had three Johnny Walker Blacks, and my entire mood changed. I am an outstanding drinker, and I guess the whole key is I guess I should just be drinking more. Because it does seem to help. Of course, drinking more and being out with somebody and having a good time is a better. I'm not a at-home drinker. But those Johnny Walkers went down real smooth. I didn't have a headache afterwards, and I felt like a million bucks. And all night turned around. Because first of all, with Jim, when Jim Florentine was on the show and I was looking him up, I found out he's doing a show at the Brunswick Square Mall outdoors with Rich Voss. And I'm like talking to the lady. I'm like, we have to meet because what the hell is this? Why am I planning a show that's going to cost so much money when these guys are doing it through Uncle Vinny's Comedy Club? You know, and I mean, it's just, how are they putting it together? She goes, I don't know. And I'm like, well, I'm going to find out. But she's still into doing the, the shows, and we really want to put it together. And then we realized, she told me there's all these open spaces in the mall. And I'm like, well, why don't we just take one of them and make it a comedy club? And she goes, that's a great idea. And I'm like, yeah, it is a great idea. I'm thinking about opening my own comedy club in the mall. I mean, why not? Just cows. And uh, it'll all be like Dangerfields. It'll all be directed. It'll all be uh, decorated with pictures, not from Caddyshack, but from me in my towel on crashing. That'll, that'll be, can you imagine? You got to have balls if you're going to do that. You know how I'm upset with my looks and stuff, but <laughs> putting the towel in uh, as the decoration for the club, it, <laughs> it will work. So I'll decorate it. It'll be just like Dangerfields without the... Uh, Actual being in actual movies. Uh, <laughs> just cows. But I, then, and then my mood completely changed. And it was just so funny. I, you know, I was drinking. And then, you know, it was a good meeting. And I, I, you know, I like this woman a lot. She's fun. And she has good ideas. And she was into, like, doing the work and not just drinking, you know. And then when I left, I was in the car. And I was, like, giggling to myself. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go to the mall. I'm going to go to the body shop. That was my plan. I was going to the body shop because they have this cologne that I like there. And I'm like, ooh. And I got so excited. My mood completely changed like a like an idiot, like a child, like a child. Where all of a sudden, I'm, I'm all of a sudden happy for why? Walking around the mall, I go to that Barnes & Noble. I got the body shop. I interacted with people. I bought this new facial scrub. <laughs> what the fuck? The man, and then I went to Target, and I got—I I had to get gumballs and coffee cups, and I got everything I came for. So I was thrilled. And then, unfortunately, I went to White Castle again. I got to get that off my traditional of uh, what I'm doing when I go there because that—that was not necessary after the meal Wednesday. And then the diner with Rhoda, then the appetizers. I think I didn't need to add in the White Castle last time. There was a difference. I don't. I, last time I didn't go to meet my mom, so it made sense. I hadn't eaten. But yeah, no, we didn't. We didn't need that at all. Uh, but my mood completely changed because I'm like, well, now there's an opportunity to do something fun and interesting and comedy-wise. So I'm a mess, is what I'm basically trying to tell you. Let's get to the music. Let's get to what we were talking about today. Now, first of all, the thing I played up front, right? I don't know. It's jump by this band called The Bird and the Bee. And 
for some reason, and they came out a couple years ago, I don't even know if they're working anymore, they did a Van Halen album, a Van Halen tribute album, the way that you heard it, and a Hall & Oates one. And they just do in whatever ways they're doing it. It's a guy and a girl, and they just redo those bands. I don't know why. Here's Running With The Devil. makes no sense right it's it's like wait how is this how is this happening what what, what's going on what am i missing here that one coming Panama how is this happening things where it's like it's not the worst thing i've ever heard it's actually piquing my interest <laughs> but it's just so weird it's out it's out there man as sammy would say out there these intros where you don't know what it is yet and then I forgot my pencil good morning class I'm your substitute teacher this morning my name is Mr. Goodbody we'll be reviewing the text from Moby Dick so please turn now to page 69 It's funny, right? It's unbelievable, right? Have you heard of it before? I don't think you have. I never have. The funny thing is that you want to say to yourself, well, I'm glad Eddie Van Halen wasn't alive to hear this, but I think he was and consented on it. 
And uh, apparently they're popular in some form of way that uh, Dave Grohl played with them at some show. I don't think they've done anything in a while. This is like from 15 years ago. That's the weird part. And I don't know what their story is or how they came to be, but they did that one. And this is how I, uh, I believe this is the one I found. I somehow found them. I heard them somewhere and I don't know why. makes more sense that's why the van halen was hilarious doing hall and oats makes sense it's it's, it's just but the van halen's where you know they're again with the same they're out there man i'll tell you and this sounds nice makes you know kiss on my list who gives a shit panama though hot for teacher that's hilarious and they seem to get it it's not like they're Sounds nice. What about this one? Could see like maybe just listening at your house or something. The Van Halen would it just uh, that's just uh, it's got to just that's I, I couldn't listen to a whole album of that. <laughs> and they also have Maneater too. I know I should have let you figure it out. I, I messed up. She sounds great, right? Her voice is really good. I uh, just thought I would share that way. I've been waiting to, uh, you know, get you into this uh, silly band. There's so interesting. The bird and the bee. But as we're talking about music, let's talk about the stupid, horrible Grammy Awards. I will tell you why I'm bringing this up today. Well, because the Grammys are coming up, right? So I was thinking. And... There hasn't been a decent great. Well, actually, if you if if last year was the year that Billie Eilish won, you know that's a pretty good one, right? I mean, she was interesting. She uh, came out of nowhere and put together some really interesting music. Let that go. 
But mostly with the Grammys, nobody knows what's happening. Taylor Swift is going to be these albums that are going to be great forever. You know what I mean? Maybe Adele is something that you would say, well, that's interesting. But it's, uh, I was looking at the list. And it's funny, when you talk about the 50s and 60s, you talk about Sinatra and Barbara Streisand and really, and uh, 68, Sgt. Pepper's, you know, okay, you know, good. Um, you know, and, and then they'd go back and forth where it's like, you know, and then the next year was Glenn Campbell, you know, but then they, and then starting in the 70s, you're talking about uh, truly iconic, iconic albums that are important to this day, like uh, Simon and Garfunkel, Bridge Over Troubled Water in 71, Carol King, Tapestry. These are ones that completely hold up that we know songs. Um, well, the concert for Bangladesh. I mean, that's an important album. You know, I mean, it's like, you know, whatever, but it's George Harrison. We all know uh, important. Then Stevie Wonder. And Stevie Wonder, two years in a row. Paul Simon, still crazy after all these years. And Stevie Wonder again, Songs in the Key of Life, which we know is good. Fleetwood Mac Rumors. Uh, the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack, which is one of the top selling albums of all time. And then you start 1980. And every single album from 80 to 89 is completely iconic completely iconic where uh, not only did they need to be named best album of the year they actually were and have held the test of time where we still know all the songs in the album. Now, okay, am I taking my age into consideration? Probably. But, you know, these are songs that uh, if you're making a playlist and you're running a bar, you're going to hear some of these songs and you're going to remember them. I mean, here's the one that won in 1980. And that album also had this. I mean, these are what I'm talking about. Is these are songs that, um, you know, maybe you know, I mean that we, we. I mean, they're epic and legendary. These are some classic Billy Joel and the album one best album of the year and deservedly so and the you know and it, it, it just deserved it and that's what you want to see uh, completely deserving and holds up that's you know that's what you want a best album to win something that holds up and and says the test of time in 1981 is as as maybe gay as it may be the fact of the matter is it, it's still a huge album and it, uh, often we uh <laughs> play it on our podcast for different reasons. It's the Doobie Brothers for Carpets Galore. No, it's uh, Christopher Cross with, uh, of course, our favorite... uh, 
is the, the SCTV and one of these, uh, the Michael McDonald's. <laughs> All right, so all right, we know it from that one, but no, let's face it, everybody knows this song, and 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 I mean, even as slow and sad as this one is, I mean, everybody remembers this one. I mean, listen, it deserved album of the year. It had lots of hits, and you hear these songs on yacht rock all the time. I mean, it's old, but it's just a you know deserving of best album. It was iconic at the time, and these songs. As maybe if you don't even like them, they hold up. And it beat Glass Houses by Billy Joel. You couldn't have gone wrong on that one. The Wall by Pink Floyd. Maybe that one should have won. Maybe. Yeah, no, maybe that one. Well, Dark Side of the Moon should have won. Uh, and then beat out Frank Sinatra and Barbara Streisand. Thank goodness, because back then they were actually doing iconic albums that you're going to remember for the rest of your life. And then in 82... You tell me if I'm crazy here. Our life together is so precious. Together we have grown. We have grown. Although our love is still special. I mean, these songs are totally iconic and still around. And unfortunately, with this album, the only problem was you had to sit through every other song was a Yoko Ono song. My God, this guy... My theory is that's why he probably got assassinated. I mean, that is a horrible thing to do to somebody. Yeah, these awesome songs. People say I'm crazy. I mean, unbelievable songs that hold up so much so. And then you got to listen to this. to do that was he doing that that's just because he hated people i don't know you got a question is uh be a man and <laughs> don't do you okay, if you made one side of the album your songs the other side but every other song oh that is rude but let's face it that song had three the woman also on it i mean that you know three songs we remember forever iconic 82 absolutely double fantasy john and Yoko. And in 83, I mean, if you're going to tell me that this song isn't still popular with not just this, the next song, really, but okay, actually, why don't we just play the, uh, the actual song? If you're telling me that this isn't popular to this day with anybody of any age, this might be actually, out of all the albums that we play, this particular best album of 1983 and this particular song might have held up more than any of the things we're going to play. I don't know why. These people were never heard from again. But damn. 
you know that song. I mean, it's like sick that it's like the most popular song maybe ever. For, for real, right? I mean, it's a, you know I'm not crazy. That This is any But Elon told me, Elon, who's, what, 34? Did him and his wife, they've been married for like six years or so. They, they played this at their wedding. And they're way, you know, they're 20 years younger than us. Me. Sorry. Didn't mean to put everybody into my category. People hate when I do that. songs right i mean come on i'm not crazy you know what that beat out that beat out john cougar american fool you know that one donald fagan the nightfly best album ever but if i was voting i would have voted for toto let's face it only i know all the songs off the nightfly you nobody most nobody remembers igy i mean you remember when you hear it uh billy joel the nylon curtain which totally could have that that would have been a good one allentown and pressure every you know that's still everyone knows it so it could have won paul mccartney tug of war one of me my me and sarah silverman's favorite album that's why we bonded off that album but it's not an iconic paul mccartney album but you know the nylon curtain billy joel you could say i mean if that won, you would have been like yeah how why would it not but Toto, with those two stupid songs, and especially Africa, seriously, maybe the greatest song ever. (laughs) It's unbelievable. And in 1984, I mean, it's just, uh, well, that is... I mean, this, this, uh, you know, I mean, this is the greatest selling album of all time. Actually, I believe the Eagles' greatest hits is the greatest selling album of all time right now, which is weird. All right, so this is number two. I mean, what are you going to do? You, 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 if you don't, if you don't give this one a Grammy, uh, stop the Grammys. You don't, don't, don't have an award show anymore. I mean, this, this uh, album was sick. And you know what's weird is that it, it beat out, um, well, it beat out David Bowie. Let's dance. Well, that's no. I mean that. We love that album. That could have won. That could have won. I mean, everybody still remembers Let's Dance. It's a great song. Billy Joel, An Innocent Man, uh, you know, not his best work, but still uh, lots of lots of hits. But it beat out The Police, Synchronicity, which technically probably should have won because we all know that is a brilliant album. But what are you going to do? You're not going to meet Michael Jackson. Not that thriller year. Oh, no way. And that's the weird thing is that uh, he got lucky. I always thought it was the same year, but I guess he got lucky. He didn't put this album out that same year. So the next year, this one. And if you're going to tell me this ain't iconic, then you're an idiot. Nothing. What about this one? I mean, these were 
you might hate this one, but let's face it, we know it was goddamn huge, right? I mean, huge. So sad and depressing, but it's... I, I never want to hear it again in my life, but we know it was huge. I can't even listen to it for a second, but come on. Totally worthy of best album of the year. It stands the test of time. It was up against Cindy Lauper. She's so unusual. Quite frankly, if you're pulling a Billy Eilish thing, you could have gone for that one. That was great. But you know what? It, it, it here's the the issue here. Atlanta Richie won, but Purple Rain. He beat out Purple Rain, where clearly that one should have won. Prince Purple Rain. It was his masterpiece. Uh, listen, this was Lionel Richie's masterpiece, but uh, that one they got wrong. Prince should have won. That was Springsteen, born in the USA. Whatever. Tina Turner, Private Dancer. That's a good year. All those albums have had. They had won. We would have said, yeah, that makes sense. What a year. 85. But Purple Ray, they got that one wrong. The next year is the only one that doesn't hold up in any way. You know it. But worthy of uh, best album. And it's fine. But it just it's, it's the only one that doesn't stand the test of time. Where the other ones, we hear them all the time in bars, in restaurants. And you might hear this one, but it doesn't stand the test of time. They're, they're not good songs anymore. They were overplayed at the time and ridiculous, but it, it, does, it doesn't, you know what I'm saying. I mean, this, this album was sick huge. I mean, it had everything. It had so much stuff on it. I mean, it's it, it's sick. I mean, this album had like twenty hits. Uh, you know, so how do you not? Uh, you know, f- uh, no. I always call it Full Metal Jacket required, but it's No Jacket required beat out Dire Straits, Brother in Arms. You know, classic, classic. Whitney Houston, the original album, which totally could have won. Sting, the Dream of the Blue Turtles, and the Stupid We Are the World thing. I can't believe they didn't give it to that. But that's how huge 
even though it's not doesn't hold up, doesn't stand the test of time, it's just unbelievable. It's a uh, you know, it, it, it has just hit after hit after hit, just like Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie, and I maybe that's how they were judging, and it's fine because it was that huge. But, you know, then that's the question. Are you doing stuff that stands the test of time, like this one, which was, I mean, if this didn't win, this would have been a crime because this is unbelievable. Here's a guy that, you know, had won a couple of best album Grammys before, and then he changed this whole thing, and this was, this was a huge album. is if you have three songs even three and there was even more than that off an album of african tribal music you deserve to win if you got three hits and you made money off an album of african tribal music you win the prize and he did and so he should meanwhile that was up against peter gabriel so which we could have totally been here talking like wow that's ha huh, tough one that's how good this and it's Paul Simon too, but Peter Gabriel, which would have been fascinating. The Phil Collins won one year, Peter Gabriel won the next year, the split up of the Genesis guys. Uh, that would have been something else. Janet Jackson control, which we also could have said, damn, that could be the winner. Barbara Streisand, the Broadway album. You want to make fun? That was a huge album and a huge comeback for her. And Stevie Winwood back in the high life, all those albums or still rather iconic, and you could have said, but Paul Simon, Grace, I mean, how do you not? I mean, listen, that's the one. Now, the next one is the one I hate the most. I can't stand it. I've never liked it. I don't care for them personally. But, again, when we're talking about these iconic albums that stand the test of time, this is definitely one of them. I, I can't stand it. I, I hate it. But it's iconic. It's a fact. 
the Joshua Tree. You two beat out. Uh, wait up. Oh, that beat out the second Whitney Houston album, which was pretty good. Matt Bad by Michael Jackson. Sign of the Times by Prince. Prince got a raw deal during the Grammys while he was alive. Ugh. Just absolutely hate it. Uh, but listen, you know, if I said to you, what won that year? And you say, and I, you know, you're guessing, and you say the Joshua Tree, you're like, oh, right, right, right. And then in 1989, the last one of the decade. I'm, I'm, I'm totally in on this, and we know every song on the album. This is actually this one's my favorite one off the album. My favorite. I've always liked it. I've always wanted to redo it in the, or at a karaoke or something. I don't know if I can hit the notes, but I just I don't know. I always liked it a lot. So old fashioned. But George Michael was the goddamn coolest. You are That's one of my favorite songs of all time, actually. He was such a talent. You know, him and I, we've done it, him and Prince just dying prematurely in a way, well, in every way, uh, you know, with the stress that was caused in their lives by the record companies and uh, the record companies taking away the artistry of these people. It's uh, absolutely awful. Anyway, he, you know, so, so we just went through from 1980 to 1989, and you know every single song you know two or three songs on every album we mentioned. And as the decade changed, everything went to shit. 1990, the the year that the album was Bonnie Raitt, Nick of Time. Now, we all remember that album because of one song. Uh, let's give him something to talk about. I'm pretty sure that was the one. But, you know, what? You know, you would have been better off with Tom Petty, Full Moon Fever, or the Traveling Wilburys, which would have stand the test of time, nick of time. You know, then they started going back to the old school. Like, then the next year was Quincy Jones, Back on the Block. What? Un- Natalie Cole, Unforgettable. What happened? You know? every I mean, as the decade changed, it ended. Eric Clapton, Unplugged. We're all agreeing on that one. That's with the Layla one. But again, not new material. 
And the Bodyguard soundtrack. Listen, that's one of the greatest albums of all time. Whitney Houston makes sense. Then Tony Bennett unplugged. Alanis Morris at Jagged Little Pill. That should have been, thank God, because that's that's an iconic one still big this day. But I'm talking about Ceylon, 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 Ceylon Dion, my God. Bob Dylan, that was the one everybody complained about when he won. Lauren Hill, the miseducation of Lauren Hill. Hey, hey, maybe they're fine. But I can't name one goddamn song off any of those. It's like the decade changed and everything went to shit. In 2000, Santana, Supernatural. We know a bunch of songs off that one. That makes sense. But it just got worse and worse. Steely Dan, Two Against Nature. Remember, the people were furious. What? Two Against Nature? Everybody likes Steely Dan, but in 2001? The Oh Brother, Where Art Thou soundtrack? Nora Jones, Come Away With Me. Sure, you know the you know the song Come Away With Me, and that's where it ends. And she was never heard of again. Meanwhile, that was the year Eminem... See, if they had let Eminem win, that would have been iconic. So I don't know if it's, I don't think it's a decade. We, I know for a fact that Eminem's first album should have won. That was unbelievable. It stands the test of time. We all know about it. And then they just went great. Ray Charles winning in 2005. Are you kidding? The Dixie Chicks, Herbie Hancock. These were the 2000, Robert Plant and Alison Krauss. Remember that disaster? And then in 2010, you start with the Taylor Swifts of, you know, uh, I, was it uh, good? I guess. I, I mean, I'm too old, I guess, to know the songs off the Fearless album, but I know there was probably two, uh, you know, and that's good. And that should be where it ends with her. I don't know why they love her. Arcade Fire, never heard from again. Adele, of course, is the right move. Mumford and Sons, huh? Daft Punk, we were making fun of them and Family Guy. They just broke up. Beck, that was it. People were making fun. This is 2015, and Taylor Swift again, the 1989 album. That is good, but, you know, well, there's there's not a lot to choose from. Then Adele wins again. The Bruno Mars, okay. That's a good one. These are iconics that we know. It just, it just, it's just, and yeah, Billie Eilish uh, won last year, and that makes sense, but... Boy, it's like right after, I mean, every single album, one after the other, one after the other. None of the nonsense, none of the, yeah, no offense, but the, no, no Barbra Streisand, no Frank Sinatra, no, you know, none of the, the old people. It was like the albums were correct. And then in, as soon as the decade changed, that's why I noticed it was like fascinating. I'm like, boy, then they just gave it to who? I don't know why. I don't know what happened here. Then it gets mixed up. Maybe every five years they pick the right one that you know, stands the test of time that we know. I, I don't know. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I was very excited to bring it to you today. I thought it was super fun, and I hope it was for you. I guess that's our show for today. Uh, again, I hope you had as a good a time as I had bringing it to you. Oh, I'll tell you, I was watching The Godfather the other day, and there is a picture uh, when Carlo beats up Connie, uh, you know, t- with the with the belt and everything, and she's smashing all the dishes out of the scene. When she picks up the phone, when Carlo's girlfriend calls, there's a picture of Marlon Brando on the thing, you know, her dad. There's a picture of her dad, you know, but it's Marlon Brando and The Godfather on the mantelpiece. And I'm like, oh, I got to get that picture and put it on my piano, which is my mantelpiece to, you know, quote... And see if anybody, and see how many girls I bring over here that think that's my dad. I just think that would be the funniest of all surveys. 
And the person that says, oh, you have a picture of Marlon Brando from The Godfather, I'm going to marry you. And that'll be the catalyst. What do you call that? What, what kind of test is that? I don't know, but that'll be it. Not the Brechtel test. The Brechtel test is isn't that the one where you have to have two girls talking in a film and not about boys. Isn't that, isn't that what that is? <laughs> it's the complete opposite. But uh, yeah, we'll see. Who knows? I don't expect somebody in their 20s or 30s to know. It's okay. But if they do, oh, then I'm all in. But wouldn't it be funny if they just come over and like, oh, is that your dad? Uh-huh. I'll just say yes. Yes, it is. He's actually, uh, he, what did he do? He was a godfather. What does that entail? Well, it just means, uh, I'm trying to do what an Al Pacino tell uh, Diane Keaton. It just means he helps people. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, but boy, that would be something else. Oh, baby. Hey, remember, uh, Thursday, me, Olga Neighbor, and the great, legendary Gilbert Gottfried at the Nowhere Comedy Club, Thursday night, March 11th. Join us if you'd like to. Hopefully, I'll do good. I haven't performed in front of a live audience. Number 25, yes. But it is online, the Nowhere Comedy Club. Uh, I assume tickets are available. I don't know how something like that sells out, but it does. And that's pretty much all I have to say right now. Until next week, when we come back with another show, my guests, uh, Cypher Sounds, Rachel Feinstein tonight, Tom Shalou, Jamie Labella next week. And we will always have great and fascinating guests and shows for you between the Nightfly and the Comedy Cellar Nightly Show, and I hope you loved this show, and we'll see you next week. And just everybody, have a great week. Enjoy everything opening up again. Don't be like me, and I just hope everybody stays safe and happy. Good night, everybody, from me and all of us here at the Nightfly.